Welcome to Pivot with Greta Scholes, a conversation with business executives and the effects of change. Welcome to Pivot with Greta Scholes. Today I am going to be talking to Andy Cagnata of Trans World Business Brokers. Pretty cool guy. I've known Andy for a long time. He's got a really great story. And for those of you who are small business owners or working in a business, here's a story that you can kind of hang your hat on and say, okay, maybe I could do it too. So Andy came down to Florida in 1995. When he came down here, he was looking to buy a business, found Transworld Business Brokers at that time. Uh, they were looking for a business for him and ended up offering him a job as a, as a um, not a broker, but as a, I guess, a salesperson basically for them. And then it became history. So welcome, Andy. Thank you, my friend. It's always good to see you. You too. So talk a little bit about how that happened. You know, you came down here, you work with them, and then all of a sudden, I mean, I, uh, frankly, I didn't know that until I read that. I actually thought you had opened the business from scratch. I didn't know it was initially somebody else's. No, I'm actually the third owner of Transworld. And so when I got there, Don and Bonnie Parrish were the owners of Transworld. Very nice couple. I had looked for a business and went to a lot of business brokers for the most part. Felt like I was in a used car sales room with all these guys. And uh, Don, was, Don, you know, spent 30 years at IBM. Uh, he worked at NASA uh, with wow. IBM. So he was just like an incredibly talented guy and uh really sharp and and from alabama so like those two things colliding that corporate <laughs> like strategic i mean it's a perfect marriage right right, right. York, I mean, perfect marriage. <laughs> right and bonnie was you know bonnie was an entrepreneur and she worked at pan am and so she had customer service down pat and so they were really nice and they invited me to join the team so i joined the team and two years in, you know, Don's full retirement kicked in at IBM and Don was really kind of in the retirement mode instead of building a business mode. So I said to Don, I said, let me buy the company from you. So we literally switched seats. I mean, he took my desk as a salesperson. I took his desk as the owner of the company and he, he stayed with me for 12 years. Uh, no Bonnie retired. Yeah. Bonnie retired immediately. She, she knew better. She's like, I'm done. So, uh, <laughs> they were, um, you know, it was uh, a one company. We were one office in Fort Lauderdale and uh, we started to grow. Uh, we took some seed capital from uh, New Tech Financial, uh, which was named something different at the time. And they helped us grow in Florida. We grew to nine offices uh, and 10 offices now, where which we still own and operate. And, uh, you know, the funny thing about franchising, you, you kind of teed it up a little bit that, you know, why did you go into franchising? You know, and we weren't even thinking about franchising, really. We had had a couple of partners. We had a partner in Orlando, which was our first expansion. And then we bought them out and it was a great experience. And we said, you know, we should do some more partnering because we realized quickly we could not run these offices remotely. In fact, we had the funny story. We had this reality TV star that took a position at Transworld as our secretary in Jacksonville. And we were like drawing short straws about who was going to go up and fire her one day. 
And we, we just realized we couldn't run businesses remotely. We needed people on the ground. So we decided, hey, we need a good partnership arrangement. And really, a good partnership arrangement is franchising. And we quickly realized we did not have the tools. One of my big things was when I joined Transworld, I was 32 years old. I was the youngest person at Transworld. And I said to everybody else, I said, listen, you all have more experience than me. My job is to give you the tools to succeed. So you tell me what you need, and I'm going to get it to get it to you. And so that's been my philosophy for 25 years. And as I grew Transworld, you know, I was always very um, cognizant of when I didn't have the right tools. And when we looked at franchising, I'm like, we do not have the right tools for this. And an attorney, uh, Keith Canoes, we were working with at the time thinking about franchising, uh, he said, well, if you're not going to do it yourself, maybe partner with someone like United Franchise Group who's been in West Palm Beach for 35 years, most famously own Signorama, which is the largest sign company in the world. And now they've they've turned into a franchise company that that's all they do is they help others and themselves build companies. And so they have very successfully taken Transworld and help, helped us grow it across the world, 200 offices plus. It's just, it's crazy. 200 offices, that is crazy. So- what the first couple of years, you know, four or five years, I'm sure, before it really started taking hold, what did that look like? And were there doubts along the way where you said, you know, did we bite off more than we can chew? I mean, what were some of the things that you, the lessons and some of the things you learned there? Yeah, I mean, listen, growing, so growing even individually when we were growing in Florida was very difficult. And then when we got to, t so we decided to franchise in 2009, which could have been worse timing, right? Yeah, right. Oh and, my God. And we, we, and it, it, that kind of drove us too. We realized that, Hey, we're not going to have all the capital in the world to open up new offices. We need other people's capital. Couldn't necessarily borrow it at that time. The banks were upside down. So that's kind of when we, we got together with Ray and, you know, Ray warned me, but Ray's a big thinker, right? If you've ever met Ray Titus, he's, Ray Titus, he's yeah. a very positive, always has huge goals. And he would have these huge goals every year. And I wasn't quite used to, you know, I'm a little bit more pragmatic. I'm like, well, I'm not quite sure we're going to get to this goal. So we're a little bit of a yin and yang. And and so my famous question, which Ray teases me about now, he said, I used to tell him for probably about the first four or five years, Ray, exactly when are we going to make money? <laughs> and I used to, because he would be like, we're going to make all this kind of money this year. And I'm like, right, you've been saying that for five years. So it is, I mean, we made money from day one. We, you know, we're very fortunate that we, we both put in a little bit of seed capital and, and we, we have never looked back. We, we never had another, put another diamond, but we reinvested over the first, I'd say six years of not even taking a dime out of it just putting the money back in and growing it and hiring new employees and getting new technology. And, and, you know, now it's at the point where it's, you know, big enough that it's making money and we're continuing to invest. So. So how do you know, what are some of the characteristics when you are deciding somebody that's going to buy a franchise, that's going to take one over, how do you say this person I think is going to be a good fit or this person's not, what are some of the things that you look for there? And because you know, is it basic business owner stuff or because franchising is slightly different than opening your own business. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a little bit of a learning curve, even for United Franchise Group who, who have been, you know, helping people franchise, you know, for 20 something years before I got there. Right. Uh, you know, we, we definitely had some franchisees in the beginning that 
perhaps we shouldn't have signed up and, and, you know, they've sold or, you know, moved on since then. And we look for people who perhaps have owned their own business before have been in some sort of investment advisory or been a CPA or been in the banking industry. Those are people who have dealt with business owners and helped them through processes before even realtors or bankers or investment advisors, or, you know, uh, we've had, you know, the one thing though is funny, as I always say, it's very, very difficult to predict who's going to be successful. Uh, and sometimes it's it's not an indication of education. A lot of times it's not an indication of whether or not they were uh, very, very successful before, because some people who are so successful before and they come into to, to Transworld, which I, we've had before, we've sold some people who have been extremely successful in life and they have millions of dollars, but they're not motivated. So really it comes down to motivation and being able to go out there and, you know, help us grow Transworld. Yeah, you know, when when I talk to business owners of all different kinds, it's interesting to me how so much of it comes down to somebody who just has that hunger. They have that, you know, that motivation comes from within. And, you know, I have business owners over the year have said to me, you know, I really want to motivate our people or what do I do to motivate our people? You can stand on your head upside down all day long. I mean, motivation has to come from them. If you can help, you can help massage that you can help bring that along but you can't really motivate people if they aren't at some level self-motivated how do you figure some of that out or, or, or do you i mean is it a is it a kind of wait and see game or what are some of the things that you go i think this guy or this woman is going to be a good fit so i know they're not always but what are some of the things now from your experience i mean there's 200 you know plus offices now obviously they haven't all been successful but what do you look for now and what seems to be some of that formula? Yeah, I mean, we're looking for people and I always tell people, the only thing I can't do for you is kind of come through the phone in the morning and wake you up and get you out and doing things. <laughs> you can't have paralysis by analysis. I mean, you know, people sometimes overthink a lot of things, right? Uh, I, we have enough tools, we have enough knowledge, we have enough resources for people, anybody, who joins our firm that if they go out day one and they run into a $30 million transaction that requires incredible expertise, they just pick up the phone and call us and we all partner together and we get that deal done. So I, again, I can give them the tools to succeed. I just yeah. can't like make them swing the hammer. You know, I give right. them that hammer and they got to go out there and swing it. So we do look for people who have the time, right? We have to tell people this is a full-time job. Number two is, you know, they have to be motivated enough to have done something in their previous life that have some level of success. It doesn't mean that they have huge amounts of money, but maybe they were successful in a corporate career. Maybe they were yeah. successful in the military. Maybe they were successful being a teacher. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean monetary-wise uh, right. because it doesn't cost a ton of money to get into trans world. Uh, it costs money to maintain it because you have to maintain your own lifestyle while you're kind of getting your business going. Uh, but it takes, you know, it takes motivation. You have to go out and become a trusted advisor in your community and not unlike a lot of sales positions. Um, I, 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 I keep telling people I'm not so sure this is sales because I think what we do as 
Transworld uh, Business Advisors. And it's funny because we changed our name like a dozen years ago. That's how long you know me. So, you know, Transworld Business Brokers, we changed it to Transworld Business Advisors because we help people franchise and things like that. But, you know, to become a successful advisor, uh, you just we have to get people to go out there and do it and, 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 and getting them to motivate. Yes, we have a great training program. We have consistent webinars that people are calling in. We have KPIs, uh, key performance indicators that we're checking people on. We have a mentor program because, you know, we could all use motivation and we could all use coaching and that's what you do. So, you know, it's great. Yeah. And and it's funny, what's interesting to me, and it sounds exactly like what you're saying, when I talk to business owners, owners, and they try to hire, and in my case, they're hiring salespeople to work for their organization. And, and, you know, it's slightly different, but, but along the same lines of what you're talking about, oftentimes, they'll say to me, I want somebody who has experience in our business. And one of the things I say to them is why? And the they sometimes look at me like, I have three heads. Like, what do you mean, why? No, why? And a lot of times they'll say, because they already have experience, they already know what to do. Um, but that's not true. I mean, I think, especially in the situation that you're in, they have to be self-motivated and they have to have some experience, but they certainly have to be open. That's why they're in a franchise. They have to be open for you to give them the tools that has have made you and hundreds of others successful in in that particular business. And that being said, sometimes people want to be in a franchise because they think of it almost like McDonald's where, you know, you walk in, you know exactly what it is. It's routine every day. And, you know, it's it's not as hard because it's there for you. And that's absolutely just from my understanding of your type of business. That's not what this is. They'll give you'll you'll give them the tools, but it's not like you're going to hang a shingle out. People are going to show up. They literally have things they have to do. So, you know, that's some of the difference, I think, in finding somebody who's going to be a successful franchise owner. And it's there's similarities to being a salesperson when somebody hires them. If you have to get up in the morning, you have to be self-motivated, you have to want it and be really hungry. Seems like it's very similar to that, no? Yeah. I, you know, sometimes we don't like people who have done this before, like you said, because you know, the first thing we have to do is reprogram them, right? Yes. So, you know, because they're, they have bad habits, right? And even when we're hiring realtors, and we, we are starting to see more realtors now because all of a sudden the housing market is not like shooting uh, fish in a, in a barrel. So, right. you know, now they're, all of a sudden they're going to come out of the woodwork because it's not so easy to get deals done. So we are going to see more realtors. Um, you know, when I tell people when they join Transworld, I do tell them, I say, listen, just be dumb for like six months. Just be dumb. Just follow our system. I'm going to give you a bunch of tools. And some of those tools you're going to like and you're going to feel comfortable and you're going to feel like they work for you. And some of them you're going to try and maybe they're just not good for you. That's fine. But you're going to try them all in the first six months. And then if something's working for you, like you're a great networker and you don't like doing cold calls, but you're a great networker, you you go out networking every single night and that's working for you, great. Keep doing it. Don't worry about being a cold you know, person who goes door to door. And then I have someone like my, my UK franchisee. He loves going door to door. This is a very successful person, had 300 shoe stores, very long time family business, has a public publicly held company. He likes going door to door to talk to the shop owners. 
he loves it and it works for him. So I, you know, it really comes down to, you know, just following the system in the beginning. And as far as joining a franchise, what I think of is, and I, this is the way I explain it to people. It's everybody could go out there and do it on their own. Even in my business, they could go out there and start a business brokerage. But what we've decided to do, and I say we, my partners, we call them our partners, our franchisees. Right. We all decided to take some money and that's quote unquote royalties. We're going to put it in a pot and we're going to spend money and create an incredible CRM system. We're going to negotiate with vendors. We're going to create a social media platform. We're going to create an advertising fund. We're going to create a marketing department. We're going to create a training department. We're going to get uh, forms reviewed by attorneys. We're going to do all that administrative stuff centrally. So we all can just focus on yeah. going out there and doing what we do, which is meeting business owners and getting deals done. And so that's what we've done. And we've created this like marketplace. I call it the NASDAQ of selling small businesses where you're literally, we're trading small businesses. And we're getting it done quickly. It's funny, you, you, anecdotally beforehand, you sent me a client that was looking to sell their business. Um, I gave them to one of my top brokers and and you could, you just reported that we got it done in a day. No, we didn't get it done in a day, but we got it done very quickly. Right, and you know, I, I wanted, I want to go back to talking about when you said set tools of a process, but I do want to talk about this a little bit. It's an interesting story. <clears throat> and uh, my husband, who has a, a small retail store in Jupiter, Florida, <clears throat> he had a friend of his who owned who owned a, a small business, a fence company. And he came in, he said, yeah, I'm ready to go ahead and close up. You know, we're got my last day is whatever it is, September, October. I don't know. And so my husband said to him, what are you going to do? And he goes, what do you mean? I'm just going to shut down and I'm going to fish and I'm going to whatever. He goes, you've been in business for all these years. You have all these clients that, that love you, that keep using you. Why are you just going to shut down? He goes, what am I going to do? He goes, my wife knows somebody. <laughs> so, you know, you and I talked about this, you know, off camera a little bit, but at the end of the day, he is so happy with what happened. You know, the relationship you guys had with Max, he was so happy. Like I had said to you, thanks for my nice dinner. Cause he's going to take <laughs> us to a great dinner and I'm going to make him pay. That's good. <laughs> but That's good. at the end of the day, I think a lot of people, People don't realize the value of their business. They really don't. And a lot of times, um, you know, somebody will say, well, it's worth, you know, what your inventory is, depending on your business. But, you know, I think, first of all, people don't understand what their business is really worth. It might be less than they think. And that's okay, too. But you want to be able to get some sort of an analysis on that. And I think that's really important. And I know Transworld absolutely has the tools to be able to analyze that. And I think people need to understand that. And even if it's less than what they think it's going to be, the reality conversation is important. And what you were saying, you know, early on when we started talking about Transworld before you took it over, you said a lot of places that you had talked to, they were like, it was like dealing with used cars. Yeah, it's like dealing with used car salespeople because they're not, they're not telling the truth. And one of the things that's so important and just knowing you and the kind of tools that you would give to your franchisees, it's, you know, you have to lay out the good, bad, the ugly. And if they want to work with you, they, you know, you, you connect arms and you work together, but it's not about this, you know, pie in the sky situation. The reality is this. And I think when people know that they feel good and unfortunately in a lot of businesses and certainly in yours, they will promise them anything to get, 
get them to sign so they can be their representative. And, and just knowing you, I know Transworld doesn't do that because you wouldn't be growing the way you would. I think that's a really important factor um, in, in, in you know, hiring the right people and having them tell other people about you. And that's why I did. That's why I told my husband about it and he told Jerry about it. Yeah, I, there's a lot of uh, people that think their business is worth more or less. Uh, you know, even when I sold my business in Connecticut, I didn't know what a business broker was. And I probably sold it for too little uh, in the end. And I didn't know what I was doing. I just put an ad in the paper. That's the way we used to do things before the Internet. Um, right. But, uh, you know, and also, yes, we sell a th over a thousand businesses a year at this point. Uh, we have all kinds of comparables that we can show people what their businesses are, are going to sell for. We want to do good deals for good people. Yeah. There are there are companies out there that have been running around and doing this. I consider it a scam. They'll charge you fifty thousand dollars upfront, and they give you some wild valuation for your business and they'll promise you the moon that you're going to get this huge number for your business and we're often there later on after they pay the fifty thousand dollars after they sit there for a couple of years uh for sale and don't get any hits uh we just came out with some statistics incredible uh statistics and graphs that show that most businesses that sell sell because they're priced within 15 percent of their eventual sold price so, and businesses that expire that don't sell are just over 15%. So what does that mean? That means that the marketplace, because of the internet, because people could go online and look to see what businesses are selling for and how much they're making, the, the, the marketplace has gotten smart. And therefore businesses that are way overpriced sit there and people ignore it. And, you know, cause I've always had sellers just bring me an offer you know, I'll, I'll deal with someone. It's like, no, people, when they see that opportunity on one of the portals, they will ignore that opportunity because it's yes. ridiculous. So yeah, there is, there's a lot of science that's going on into this now. We're, you know, working so hard on AI and data and, and predictive data to understand when people should sell, what's the right price and how do we get things done? Because it, Historically, only about 20% of businesses that go on the marketplace sell. Now, this has gotten way better over the wow. last few years, yeah. um, but still a large percentage of businesses that go up for sale never sell. And it's mostly due to unrealistic expectations on both I'm sides. Sure. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. That makes perfect sense. Makes perfect yeah. sense. Wow, 20%. That's unbelievable. Even if it's a little higher, that's still a lot lower than yeah. I would have thought. Yeah. Wow. So you talked earlier about, and, and I love that because it reminds me of things that I tell clients all the time, which is, look, you know, not forget everything you knew in the past, but I, I'm going to give you tools, some you're going to like, and some you're not going to be so comfortable with. You know, go in with a little blind faith, follow them, don't, you know, poo-poo them right away, try it, you know, massage them to make them your own, but, but stay within that framework as best you can. And I think that's really good advice. If you're going to be a franchise, you want to go by the success of the tools that are set there for you to start all over and say, well, that's good, but that doesn't work. I think you're, you're, you're missing the point of having the success of franchise behind you. And, and I think the people that understand that, the, the ones that are really smart, 
are always looking to learn. And if they learn a tool, they say, you know what, I'm not sure about this. It's not how I've done it before, but I'm willing to give it a positive shot as opposed to I tried it that didn't work. And I think those are really, really important things for people to understand. That's why you want to work with a company that's franchised because there's a lot of tools that show success over time. Um, and I think that's what you were talking about. There are some people that say, yeah, yeah, I got it. I know you said to do this, but I'm going to do that. It could work, but there's reasons that you have those tools in place. I have this conversation with people all the time. And <clears throat> unfortunately, in my world, CEOs will say, yeah, yeah, those are the right tools. Give it to them. And then they'll be traveling with one of their sales reps or something, and the sales rep will say, well, you know, or the, the CEO will say, I know Greta told you to do this, but in this case, do that. Well, I mean, you know, I'm their aunt. That's their dad type of thing. They're not going to listen to me. I don't give them their paycheck. So you kind of screw that up when you do it that way. Um, so what you were saying is I'm going to give you tools. Follow the tools. You can adjust them and make them yours, but follow them. That's why they're there, right? Yeah, I, we, I've watched it in action, right? I've watched franchisees who think they're smarter than the system. And listen, the system is made for, you know, again, we have 700 agents right now. And, you know, to turn or improve the system over 700 agents takes us time. And some people are like, it's going too slow. I want to put this technology in or this technology in. And they spend a lot of time and money and they're doing all this stuff working on the system instead of just working on their business. And I've seen franchisees go out of business. I've seen franchisees do something on their own for two years and then all of a sudden come back and say, you know what, you were right. We should do it your way. And then they're successful. So, yeah. uh, you know, people can't help themselves. Uh, I hired, I, once upon a time, I hired three Disney executives uh, in my Orlando office. I'm like, wow, yeah. this is going to be great. They were from the financial department. They, they so. were incredible with Excel spreadsheets, their strategic planning, uh, and and they were awful salespeople. And they didn't want to follow the system. And they... They spent all their time trying to come up with new spreadsheets and things like that. In fact, I still use some of their spreadsheets today, but they're no longer <laughs> with me because okay. they they just they spent too much time on the process right. and not on the KPIs, the things that you need to do to be successful in sales, which is, you know, it's a numbers game. You have to make connections. You have yeah. to go out there and get your message out there. You have to have, you know, it's all the marketing things, the consistency of message yes. uh, to the right audiences. And those are the people, the people who don't have graduate degrees, or I, I have some people who never even went to college, uh, and they are wildly successful because they're doing what it takes to be in the people business. Because yeah. at the end of the day, that's what we're in. It really is. So when you say the people business, let's talk about that a little bit. One of the things you've always um, done an excellent job of just knowing you, and that's how I got to know you, is you're very community oriented. You are, you know, about being around the community. We talked about networking earlier and you said some people are really good at networking. You should do that. Other people are good at cold calling. They can do that. Um, so <clears throat> talk about how important being involved in your community is. Uh, for anyone, I mean, I know you're, you know, a little bit about your story um, about being involved in the community, but how important is that for anybody who's opening a business, certainly one of yours? Yeah, I think it's really important to get involved in your community. I always tell people that you need to become a trusted advisor in your community. So, you know, you got to start networking with bankers and CPAs and 
lawyers. And there's no really better way to do that than getting involved and helping other nonprofits in your community, whether uh, you become a Rotarian or whether you join a nonprofit board or whether you're with your church or your synagogue. Uh, you know, there's there's multiple ways to get involved in your community. And, you know, it's funny, I didn't start getting involved in my community because I thought that it was going to bring me business. It has been wildly successful in helping me grow my business. Uh, but I didn't do it for that. And I don't think anybody should do it for that. You should do it because, you know, listen, you're I, I always say you're able bodied. You you have uh, some resources to give, you know, your time, your treasure, your talent. And and even if you don't have treasure, quote unquote, money, uh, there's plenty of charities that need your time. They right. just need physical help, labor helpers, and they need need your talent. So whether you're a banker or an, or an attorney or an accountant or a business owner, and you could go out there and help them raise money, or you can go out there and help them have a walk or a run or a golf tournament. There's plenty of ways to help your community, and it shows others that you are someone who wants to do good, that wants to make their community better. And then when they do, when they want to sell their business, uh, when that is a very, you know, it's one of the most important assets that a person may have, and they want to do something. And it, it, even this goes to me when I tried, when I chose the people who manage my money, my investment advisors, or when I turn to someone who's going to be my in-house counsel, I found them from charity boards because I worked with them side by side. And I said, I, I could trust this person. And I think that's the key right there. I mean, like you said, you, you can't do it for a selfish reason. If you're going to be involved in some sort of a charity or giving back, you should do it because we're lucky. We're blessed. I mean, yes. you know, we are able-bodied. We're walking. We're doing well. We have healthy families. We, you know, all of those things. Sometimes we forget how lucky we are. And if you're doing it just because, well, this is a good charity to be involved in, I'll, you know, rub elbows with some people that I want to work with, that becomes extremely transparent. So it needs it to be done properly. Now, speaking right. of charity, <clears throat> you have this uh, Andy's family spaghetti dinner. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but you've been doing it for years and years. Talk about how that started and what you do. Yeah, it's Andy's pasta dinner. Um, pasta and dinner. but very close. And, uh, <laughs> and we, uh, many people call it the spaghetti dinner, and that is absolutely fine. So right. I was got on a board of a charity. It was a soup kitchen slash food emergency food pantry in Broward County called Life Net for Families. Uh, 20 years ago, we built a building. I was chairman at the time. Uh, we spent $2 million on the building. We had no money. And I looked at everybody at the table, including my fellow board members. I'm like, I don't care what you do this year, but you're raising money. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you need to raise money and you have to show people our new facility. So I said, I'm going to cook dinner because my previous business, the trans world, one of them was a pasta shop up in Hartford, Connecticut. It's a long story, but I had learned how to cook for, you know, lots of people. So we had a dinner and I'm Italian. That's what you learn. Right. You know, yeah. So, you know, and <laughs> my mom's and grandmother's very good cooks. So we decided to have a dinner. In fact, my mom and my grandmother were there helping me cook at the soup kitchen. And we had about 30 or 40 people there that day. And we raised, I think it was 300 or $500. And, you know, it was a, Sunday afternoon, four o'clock, you know, just bring the kids, kids ate free, $25 ahead. And we raised, I think it was $500. We carried on that tradition every single year and it grew every single year until we had to move it to the signature grand because the, funny, again, I was at, I was on leadership Broward. 
my leadership Broward buddy comes to the event who works at Signature Grand, and he says, this can't be here anymore. Because by then, we had two seatings. We had 100, 100 people showing up to this thing. And the charity only holds about 60 people in the dining room. So we were having two different seatings. And it wow. was a crazy. And, and he says, you're moving this to Signature Grand next year. And I said, I can't afford that. He goes, we're going to find a way. And so Signature Grant helped us un underwrite it for many, many years. And wow. we, were, we just had our 20th year. We had 1,000 people there last year. We raised $360,000 last year. And over the, over the time period, it's been like $2.2 .2 million for the charity. And it's been incredible. It's, you know, again, a lot of people, people have walked up to me on the street and said, what restaurant do you work for again? Because <laughs> I'm better known as Chef Andy, but that's yeah. fine. I mean, that's been, you know, I, I think I've gotten over that a little bit, but um, it's uh, it's been a labor of love. It's been a family project and we're going into our 21st year. I think we have a date of oh, February yeah. 19th and uh, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun event. So really, uh, it's unbelievable. Really I, it's unbelievable. I mean, I've obviously known about it for all these years. Everybody in South Florida knows it. Everybody knows what it is. Everybody knows when it's going to be. I mean, it's <clears throat> if you are in South Florida at all, you've heard of it, you've been to it, you know about it, you donated to it, something. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, that's the exciting part. So before we completely wrap up, Andy, what are some takeaways? Now, you know, let's talk about whether it's somebody wanting to open a business or somebody having a small business. What are some of the biggest takeaways that you've learned that you think, boy, if people knew these few things, that would really give them a leg up? Well, number one, I, just being an entrepreneur takes time, right? Yeah. I, I, I really thought that I'd be a multimillionaire when I was out of my 20s, you know, and um, it just didn't happen that way, right? So it, it, it is a journey. I mean, you have to understand uh, that being an entrepreneur is a lot of hard work. It can be very rewarding, but uh, it is a journey and sometimes a lonely journey. And again, I, I, I think it's great to have a coach because, you know, you can't necessarily go home and complain to your to your spouses about, you know, financial worries because you don't want to scare everybody in your whole family. You can't certainly uh, complain to your employees. So you need someone that's going to help, you know, guide you through that. It's a journey again. And, and it's yeah. great to have great advice uh, through that process. Number two. To all small business owners out there, please keep good books and records. Uh, it is so critical that when we go to sell your business, we have a decent set of books and records. And there's no excuse these days with computers and online systems like QuickBooks and and great CPAs out there and POS systems, point of sale systems. There is no reason why you shouldn't have an up-to-date financial situation literally almost like every single minute so yes. so so my and and listen uh you know even just what your friend was talking about the other day um you know when when, when we signed them up was hey i'm just going to close my business no there's no need to close your business i wrote a book you go to my website i can you can download my book about how to you know prepare your business for sale and if you're going to do anything just talk to us a couple years before that if you talk yes. to us a couple years before that we could give you some great guidance about how to continue to grow your business right into your sale process how you have good books and records so we can get SBA financing so you get all your cash at the closing table and it could be, you know, a win-win for everybody. 
Great, great advice, Andy. Great advice. As usual. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so glad I got a chance to talk to you. We, uh, we hardly see each other anymore running around crazy, but at least we got to talk today. I'm glad, and I think everybody's going to really enjoy this. Well, I owe you dinner, obviously. So, uh, it... <laughs> Well, you, no, Jerry owes me a dinner because right, well, you. It, you so... get two dinners out of this one. so it's. Good. Uh, listen, that's beautiful. I'll take it all day long. But yeah. I, I talk about you all the time, and you know anybody that even has a thought of doing that, I'm like, you're going nowhere else. I have a place for you. So. Excellent. Thank you. <clears throat> Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to say goodbye, but hang in there with a minute for me. I got a, a couple okay. questions for you after. Thanks so much. Thank you, everybody.